Hi, I'm Sean Horn, founder and CEO of BeBell.ie. So what is BeBell? Well, it's a place of positivity. It's a place where you can be happy, be kind, be bold, feel supported and encouraged to fulfill your dreams. So join us on social at BeBell.ie for future events and upcoming podcasts. With that in mind, welcome to series two. We've interviewed some amazing, inspirational women this series. So pop on your headphones, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, so good morning and welcome to BeBell Podcast. I am delighted today to be joined by the fabulous Leah Pantra. Good morning, Leah. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem. So um, how has your last week been since you sort of, I suppose, told the world about your journey? Absolutely mental. <laughs> um, I suppose my one year post op was the 16th of October and I decided to um, link up with one of my friends I grew up with, uh, Fionn. He's a producer, like a video producer kind of a fella. Yeah. So I was like, I think, can we work out something you think? I don't know what I had in mind, but I kind of just wanted to share my story and and something for me, you know, that I can look back on and say, this is the year that joy changed my life. Like, and just to congratulate myself, I suppose, and pat on the back. I think, um, it's, you know, I think it's really important that people um, do that and and actually acknowledge their achievements. But as you know, um, BeBal is all about the person and all about their long-term story. So where did it all begin for you? Where were you born? So I was born in Cork City. I lived in Mayfield until I was like 10. And my family moved out to uh, Carrig Navarro, the country. Um, but none of us kind of settled, being honest, because we lived in kind of the city centre almost yeah. our lives. Our friends were there. We were just the wrong age to move. Um, so we ended up moving back to Mayfield after 10 years. And... I recently moved to Douglas, um, so I got a house in August, so I live in Douglas now, so I'm a Southsider now. Um, so I grew up with my mum, my dad, and I have two brothers. I'm the middle child, so I have middle child syndrome. Okay. I'm the girl, um, so I'm a bit of a dramatic diva, I suppose. I'm actually I I always tell the story because I was middle child for seven years until my fourth sister came along and there's definitely a problem. <laughs> <laughs> my mom always said it. Um, I suppose so. Like growing up, you know, normal life. I suppose we had a brilliant life. Um, I probably started kind of gaining weight very early. Uh, when I look back in pictures, I suppose. I was always a bit chubby, you know, kind of big boned, I suppose. I kind of noticed around like six or seven when I look back at my yes. pictures where kind of weight would have been kind of starting to gain. Um, and like that, like when we were kids, sure, sweets weren't a thing that you'd have in your home. You know, my mum would make our dinners. I we'd She'd buy us uh, chocolate caramel cabries every Thursday when she'd do our shop and they go to the freezer and that's all we'd have. Yeah. We'd always potatoes in the house were never sweets sweets were a treat um so I suppose like I was only eating food um you know so my mom used to obviously keep feeding me because I was obviously looking for food and you know that's what you and um, I suppose but I so that's obviously where the problem was 
like from a very young age, I never had a filter. Like, you know, I was never satisfied. So I was obviously overeating from a very young age. So I went on, like I was always heavy as a child. Um, and I suppose like my mom, we'd even talk now, you know, um, like well, healthy eating, you know, I suppose she thought healthy eating was, oh, get all your potatoes and veg into you with a load of bread. Like that's not healthy. Like that's where they probably would have ate when they were children because they didn't have as much food as us. You know, yeah. you fill up at dinner. So I would I would do all these things which we thought were healthy, but obviously we're well aware now of, you know, healthy eating because it just wasn't a thing, I suppose, you know, growing up. And did you find like because I was a big child as well, you know, and did you did you did it affect you at school? Did you or did you just were you just a happy kid, an active kid, but you were just a bit plump? I was always, that's my answer, I was always very active. I done every sport. I actually played camogie and Gaelic football right up to secondary school. So I would have been, you know, running around. I done Irish dancing. And my mom's like, Leah, you get up in the morning, you're out the door, I used to see you till the right. evening. So like, it wasn't as if you sat, sat on the chair. And sure, we had no, like, you know, phones or anything back then. We used to be out playing all day. Yeah. And like my Barbies, they come in and we have a game of Barbies or shop, you know, just normal things. So I would have been very active, but the weight was always there. Um, so I suppose it just kind of kept getting worse. And I, when we moved to Carrigan I went to secondary school and I kind of had a breakdown. Um, you know, your hormonal teenager, hated everyone, hated the school, hated my home. You know, I just wanted to be back in Mayfield you know where my friends were and um, so I struggled in school and um, I went to a brilliant school um Carrigan Secondary School Clash to Crenefa they're very academic but like I wouldn't have been very academic as such but like you know they did support me um, and like but I just I hated it I hated everything about it yeah. but I had because even my junior cert I didn't even study nothing and I came out with 10 honours and I passed literally in and out you know so the yes. before I'm done my junior cert, I was like I'm not going back to school so that was kind of my like, like oh, you yeah. had that in your head so did you have a th- an idea of what you wanted to do when you left school no nothing I I wasn't left leave school for no reason so my mom was like you're not leaving school to do nothing I was only 15 you know um so I didn't know what I where I was like maybe hairdressing but then I was like my weight was kind of affecting me you know I, I just didn't think if I was thinner probably I would have went straight into hairdressing so that's what I actually love doing okay um, but I just never did I suppose my weight would have held me back in that way um and the teachers in my school like they kind of had a chat with my mom and you know they were like look we'll try help her go on to her next step you know but we would love her to stay in school obviously but it just wasn't for me yeah. I just couldn't. Um, so I went to the training centre in Mayfield. It's like it was fast back then. Um, and I done a fitness course. So loved it. Uh, we were working out every day. Um, there was like a group of, I think, 10 of us. We had a brilliant time up there. So we go to school. We sit on mats. Um, what else did we do? I think kind of more maths and English, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, done English maths and then we kind of do obviously I done uh, health and fitness so we had a gym up there so we train every day we were brought down to the Maradike arena every Thursday like brilliant like it was 
And how old were you then? 15. Okay. So, like, I was very young, really. Yes. Um, they would have all kind of been a bit older. Sometimes it kind of, like, you were allowed to go fast. You're, like, 21, 22. So, they could have been school leavers or, like, I was probably the youngest. Okay. Because I think that's, I think you had to be 15 or 16 for actual FOSS. Um, so, loved it up there. Had the best time. And I actually moved into my nan's then because she lived in Mayfield. It was just easier because yes. I could walk the FOSS. Um, so, I'd done the fitness course for one year. Then I went down to do a computer course. Um, brilliant. I just loved it up there in general. We used to do arts and crafts. We, we were spoiled rotten, actually. You know, <laughs> we were like we were fed. We were raw places. It was absolutely brilliant. So I suppose I met good friends there as well and things, you know, and they really did kind of support us, you know, because I was thinking, will I go do a beautician course then? And they were actually willing to do biology with me okay. to help me. On, I was going to try to do a beautician in FOSS, but you needed like um leaving cert biology. So, and, and I do think it's a shame here that the leaving cert the way it is because obviously in the UK I did my O levels and then you pick the subjects you want to do for what would be our leaving cert, our A levels. So, like yeah. if you're creative, you can pick to go in that direction. So, I did photography, dance, and theatre studies for my A levels. Oh, yeah. That's so actually you really- had to go to you know a, a different training center to be able to be the creative that you needed to be yeah that's like in school like I didn't like history job you know I had no interest whereas you sh- as you said if yeah. I was able to do all that but I suppose that's why these training centers are in place and yeah. I forever grateful for them because they could be the change of a child that you know can't do can't stick school or is not able for it these centers I think are brilliant for to support people like you know Absolutely. and they and I think, you know, so did you spend two years there then? You did you did the fitness? And, yeah. And I didn't want to leave, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually did not want to leave, but I had to, because I, I think you're going to do two years. So okay. I ended up going into College Camp to do a childcare course in the end. Brilliant. But I ended up dropping out. Okay. And I went to Australia for a year. Okay, well, that's a good reason to drop yeah. out. <laughs> so and, and I was only... I was only 18 when I went to Australia. Amazing. Um, but I think that that probably made you, did it? Like, you got that yeah. freedom? Oh, like, I was always a dependent, independent person. So, like, my mom never had a fear of me as such, you know? I was always streetwise because from a young age, I was doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But I was clued in, you know, never got in trouble or was a bit bold, I suppose, you know? Yeah. Not too bold. Um <laughs> But no, I went to Australia. I just kind of worked in childcare over there, just minding kids and um, worked in a bar and I had the best time ever. Uh, so I was like, look, I have to come home because I want to go back to college because I knew I needed qualifications to be anything in my life, like, you know, to succeed or live like, especially yeah. in Australia, such an expensive country as well. You know, I couldn't survive on what I was getting, especially a, a female, like on your own. Yes. Like wages were very little compared to the men like um so I came home I came home in January 2000 and or February 2012 and I went fast and done childcare in the April so I was only home two months and I went straight into my course so I done that through fast as well I done it up in Farn Ferris in Farnery okay. uh, we were kind of renting um, they're renting like rooms so I, I was there for nearly a year 
um, and I qualified. But I actually got pregnant the year I qualified, um, and I didn't know I was pregnant. So that's okay. a, another that's thing. story. <laughs> yeah, so I got pregnant April two thousand and thirteen, but I actually got pregnant eight weeks after my last period. Okay. So I was actually been to my doctor like six months previous because my period was every second month, every yeah, every two months. My period was so it was irregular. Um, and like they were saying, oh, Lee, it's probably your weight or whatever, you know, and we'll we'll transfer you to, to get your ovaries checked for c- c- yeah. the ovaries. So I was like, grand. So my period's every two months. So like from, I think, November... Yeah, November I got one. Then I got one in January, and my last period was the first of March. So I got that was my last period then for months. Yeah. And I got pregnant the end of April, but I didn't know. I had an ultrasound in the Mercy Hospital in May, like the middle end of May. So I would have only been three, four weeks pregnant. Yes. So I went in, drank my water because you've to yeah, you bladder- fill your bladder up. Yeah. So done the scan. They're like uh, you're. <laughs> go to your GP so I went to my GP then after like a week um GP no Leah everything's perfect I said well what's going on like and she was like no you're grand so we done a test negative I would have cut and then as we went down then I was like you know I'm getting no period it's gone on the beyond yeah. the two months now, you know um so I was doing my own tests at home all negative I actually have IBS so I would have always had kind of cramps in my stomach anyway um and I'd know really bump but I suppose I had weight on me so that probably hid the bump you know um so then like towards it was coming up to it was October when I found out but I suppose leading up to that um my mum and me were like no start writing down your symptoms now so we still laugh to this day my phone can't stop going to the toilet heartburn stomach swelling at night and we're like are we actually free like it's plain as day but yeah. I suppose you're after doing everything you're supposed to do yeah, absolutely no you're like it's impossible that there's a baby inside like and that it actually didn't even dawn on me only if like I don't know so towards the end I was like I hardly you know I was like kind of guessing and then my friend was like Leah you're pregnant like I would have been drinking as well so that's obviously a big worry when I did find out yes. and like at night time we were starting to swell so like I suppose the end of September I think we were all in my friend's house and my friend was like Leah no you, you are I was like I'm not sure I'm after doing everything there's something wrong so went to my GP um 16th of October and I was it was like half six because I asked for an urgent appointment I said I can't wait no more I was up on top of her bed I was and she was like thinking maybe it's hernia you know she was like, Leah, that's kind of not normal because I suppose at that stage it was getting quite solid. I was yes. pregnant. So she was feeling it. She was like, no, that is quite solid. So she said, look, we'll do one more test here now. So I went into the bathroom, brought it in. She was like, Leah, it's, fa- it's, it's positive. I said, what? I was actually on the bed now in a state of shock. I was like, this Friday evening. Oh my goodness. But it was very faint. I actually still have the test and it's still, it was very, very faint. And she was like, yeah, Leah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, what am I to do? And she said, look, she had the heart monitor thing. So took out and I'll, then boom, 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 boom. Oh, wow. she, so it was where I was like, oh, my God. So she felt me. 
And she's like, Leah, you're anything from 20 to 30 weeks pregnant. I was like, you can't be serious. Like, I, like how? Like, And she was like, I don't know. So <laughs> I got sent straight to the CUMH the following week. So I would have got the full body kind of yes. scan thing. Um, everything was perfect. It was a baby boy. He was there clear as day. Yeah. And I was... It was I was absolutely hysterically crying like you know I was like oh my, it was like to be to be that far along gone anyway yeah, that's completely mad and literally the next day my bump came out it was like, like I was waiting, waiting for you to find out came out like we it just came out um but like that now we've been getting my salad but it just came out um so like in the hospital then I kind of had to get a lot of tests done, obviously, to make sure everything was okay with the baby. I actually had social workers in and all, because, you know, they were saying, was there something else behind that you didn't come forward? Okay. But that was, that's normal procedures. So, yeah. but obviously that's good that they do look into all these things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I was like, what? You know, uh, I suppose a bit surreal, like, but no, they were very supportive, asking me, you know, did I want any support? Obviously, yeah. you know, finding out so late. But I was grand, but like at home, then our house was actually sold in Carnivore, which we owed of our house in November. So literally four weeks after. So like life was a bit hectic. Um, we actually didn't get the keys to our new house till the week before I was due. Um, and the house needed to be ripped apart. So like I, it was kind of by the time I found out and then we'd lock going on. So like the baby was going to be here before I knew it, you know. Yeah. So. My pregnancy was grand. Other than that, I had the gestation diabetes. I managed that away. You know, I just checked my blood sugars. But it was fine. So I had 14 weeks, well, 13 weeks after the scan. And that was literally from, like, I was moving house. Then I was, like, nesting. Then wanted to get all the, everything ready for the baby. And um, it was actually mental. When I even think back, we were, like, we were in such a rush. So... I was induced then um, the day before my due date because I was high risk. Um, okay. So I was a friend. I don't need to go over. So I was brought in on a Wednesday. I was uh, given three rounds of the gel. So I got one at 6, uh, 6 p.m. on Wednesday. I think it's like 12 hours later. So 6 a.m. Thursday morning. And then again, I kind of got one. Then again, at like around 12 or no. I don't know. I got three anyway between Wednesday and Thursday, and I wasn't. I wasn't. My waters didn't break or anything. Amazing! It's amazing. And and during your pregnancy, obviously going to twenty six weeks and not noticing, were you of a heavy weight then? So I actually lost um, a stone in the February because I had a wedding in May. Okay. So I obviously got pregnant when I lost that yes. away. It just obviously boosted, reboosted my system. Um, so I would have been, I got down to 16 stone, I think six, kind of my last stone, I was 17 and a half, I think. So I got down to like 16 and a half. So yeah. I got pregnant. I was like, got a dress for the wedding. But I was like, only gain, I gained, I think about three pounds by May. But I was like, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm gaining, you know. Yes. So. I think in all, I actually was only like 10 pound heavier by the time I found out. But like, I think about a stone, just over a stone I gained in total yeah. in the night, which isn't bad, especially if I had known, I probably would have gained more because I probably would have been eating, you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how, t- how tall are you, Leah? 
I'm five foot, so I'm tiny. You're five foot. Oh, you're a little dope. Okay, so like 16 stone and five foot, you know, like I'm five foot eight. So I, you know, and I'm still overweight. I'm a size 20 in clothes, but I suppose because I'm taller, I can carry a little bit more. Yeah. But at five foot, um, yeah, that's that's quite heavy. So you had the baby. Yeah, so I would have your house. I was probably about 18 stone, like by the time I do like so I went in to have him and so I ended up in an emergency c-section um like after two days my waters were actually 21 hours so like I was supposed to be c-sectioned like three in the morning but there was emergency cases coming in in front of me but like I suppose I was high risk I shouldn't have been never left that long you know yes if I went home eight o'clock like the night before came back in the next morning started our shift and she's like why are you still here I said, I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> um, oh. So in the end, anyway, you know, I just, you just do the, you just, you, you're told what to do anyway. You don't have a choice. Uh, so I, she went neonatal then because his blood sugar is after dropping and he was after swallowing meconium. But like the poor child came out absolutely raw across his head. So he was obviously trying to come out, but I wasn't dilating. I only went to one centimeter in the whole like time. Um, so I got him back the night before we were left go home. And when I got home, then obviously they all kind of took over anyway. Um, but I was absolutely wrecked, like, and I was so sore. And, but like, you know, until, you know, like I was even saying, if you break your arm or go into A&E, you get, you get sent home with a sheet and saying, if you feel this way, that way, come back in. Like I'd major surgery, a yeah. C-section, cut open and no one taught me anything. You know, when I actually think back, like, sure, I went home anyway. I was just absolutely in agony. Um, and, like, obviously, you have a period after you have the baby. But it was actually sweet smelling. Sure, I didn't know that was a sign of infection. So okay. it was actually very, very sweet. But just, I was like, oh, that's obviously something to be, you know. Yes. Something to do with it. I don't know. Um, but I would have been struggling kind of to breathe and stuff and just in a lot of pain. So I went to my GP like two days after I was home and she just gave me stronger painkillers. She just said it looked a bit sore. She was like, you know, everyone's yeah. different with pain wise. So it gave me painkillers just to, you know, get rid of the pain basically. But then the next day, my mom's like, no, you're not right at all. Um, and a very pale, like my, we were doing the bathroom upstairs. So I'd come down the stairs to use the bathroom at the back. And even coming down the stairs, I wasn't able to even walk back up the stairs. I had to lay down on the couch to even get my breath to go back off. So I was like, that was obviously a sign. Sure, I didn't know. Um, and I was like, right, I very strange. My aunt came down, she's like, no, I, I think we should go back up. So I said, fair enough, you know. Um, I went back up then and there was an, a midwife. She was elderly, but you know, there sometimes I think they know. Yeah. They're naturally oh I don't know I like when she see me she's like no bother love come on in you know it was close to her ending her shift because I think it was around half seven and um my mom said luckily I'll head off home so you know and let me know what they say and I was like no bother mom Joe, I'll talk to you later and the midwife came back in and she was like hang on no second you know she was after checking when I came in and she ran off got her equipment came back checked me again and I'd say she knew everything was probably going up and down I don't know she ran off anyway and I was kind of looking at her saying no I know by her face now you know and she wasn't kind of happy at all so they she called up the team like of the doctors from the high dependency unit uh, well from the maternity ward 
straight up like I was rushed down um like I was kind of looking at him going what are they doing you know yeah what are you doing and like I suppose they don't even know what's wrong either so they can't even tell you all they kept saying is Leah you're very very sick and I was like what do you mean though like how am I very very sick you know and they're like just relax you know they started to take my bloods doing everything they were thinking maybe it was a clot in my lung you know because which is um, you can get surgery um, they but they were just kind of panicking running around so they done their tests um I was obviously hooked up to all the machines downstairs and the next morning they came back so it was a Friday morning they were like um you need to be admitted to intensive care and I was like sorry and like kind of I just kind of I froze I just didn't know what to do then because my aunt was actually only after dying well she's dead a few years god love her but she was in intensive care like and I was like, I'm going in there, you know? Yes. It was just like, it was weird. I just, I was like, I couldn't understand. And they were like, no, Leah, you need to go in. You have a very bad infection. You know, you need to be, you need to rest. Yeah. So we were like, okay, you know, obviously I will go. Um, so they had to move someone out of intensive care because there's only 12 beds, I think, in CUH. Yes. So I was like, I'm 22 now and there's someone coming out of intensive care for me to go in. Yeah. so I was brought in anyway um I had to get a ventilator um so I tube for my breeding my lungs were actually failing I had an infection in my c-section called pseudomonas so basically they told me if I didn't come into hospital on the Thursday when I did I would have been found dead like um I suppose I would probably got a heart attack or something my body would have shut yeah, down absolutely. like so I was put on a ventilator but they couldn't put me to sleep so they were saying what we're after giving her now would knock horses <laughs> and there's no way I I couldn't switch off. They couldn't believe it. I was actually texting the doctors then off my phone because I couldn't speak. I was trying to speak. Obviously, I had that thing in my neck. And yeah. they're like, what's going on with her? You know, and when I think of it, it was actually mad. So they actually put me in a room. There's actually three or four rooms in this in ICU. So they took someone out of there, swapped with me. Just so, because obviously the nurses are around the ward, you know, I'm away, close the doors and hopefully she might sleep. Okay. Barely, barely slept. Um, so I was actually well aware of what was going on around me. But obviously that was my natural instincts to look after my baby, I think. Yes. You know, yeah, you don't absolutely. see, you know, and what they gave me, I was kind of hallucinating and stuff. But so I was in intensive care, I think a day before they actually found out what exactly um infection I had so they had to change all the medication that they were giving me so I had a main artery you know main uh vein there your artery so that was yes. like my main source like the antibiotics and I'd actually never forget it um they took out what was in me to put in the new stuff but I swear I thought I was in a transformer my whole body you know when you feel I could feel the medicine going through each vein down to my toes yeah. I actually bed was like I was weird mad stuff like I thought I, the whole bed was actually going it was I was like what is going on so I would have felt very sick after that then I was vomiting all green because obviously I was being uh, tube fed you know I was actually well obviously the ventilator must be out at that stage so I actually can't even remember now because it's all a bit of a blur in the meantime but and how long were you in ICU for five days um so I was vomiting then and stuff and like 
seen doctors kicking babies around like escalators, just literally mad stuff. Yes. Rats running and like there was this time inside there that I literally, because I would have been kind of overheating then as well. And the nurses used to have to come in and just turn me and wipe me down. Um, like there was a time when I actually thought I was dying, like genuinely. Yeah. I could feel my life slipping from me. Um, like it was absolutely, I remember texting Kevin, Shay's dad being like, please, please just look after my baby. And he was even like, you know, sure God love him as well. Like, you know, he's like, we're only young, like, you know, um, and they, it was only him, and my mom left in at the time. I don't know why. I just, I think they didn't want any visitors for me. Because it was well, like, I think it, yeah, it's it's limited in ICU in in a normal circumstance. Unless, suppose anyway. I was actually passing. Would you know? You know, if I was like on the verge of passing, I don't know. But I think they knew I was kind of stable enough. But you know, still like they were kind of dealing with that and trying to mind the baby and stuff. Um, so it was absolutely it was horrendous. You know, I'm actually after saying the story now so much in the last week. I'm kind, I'm I'm actually not crying now for once. But you know, no. Um, you know though that it's it's hard to tell those stories and I can see you getting emotional and it's you know you're allowed to it's it's yeah. a traumatic event so, that happened I cry all the time over it and it's just I knew like I'm over it but you can never you never forget it you know um so I suppose that was I was moved out of intensive care in the end um like after a few days yeah so I was put back downstairs to the high dependency unit on the maternity ward uh, like the delivery ward yeah and I was it was actually torture because I'd all these women around me giving birth like you this is this is the room where you go if something happens in like a delivery or c-section you know these yeah. women are me with their babies so there's only three beds in that room alone but like I was like I'm around all these women I can hear people screaming down the corridors giving birth in the end, I was like, will they ever just take the, the pain relief? <laughs> you know, I was actually listening to it now so much. But like, it was, I think that was very hard then for me as well, because, you know, I didn't have my baby. They bring him up to me nearly every day. But sure, I wasn't even able to even pick him up. I'd have him yeah. kind of, I was all chewed, you know, all the wires since so I kind of have him. But I was lifeless. So they'd kind of put him back and forth to me and they'd bring him home then again. Um, so I was down there for a week. Then I was put back upstairs then into the normal wards again, put into a room with mothers. And I was like, why now? Am I in here? You know, I was like, so. Well, I, I suppose it's unfortunate um, as someone that spent a lot of time on those wards that doesn't have a baby. It's not a nice place to be, um, no. but it's the, it's the only place they can put everybody because. Yeah we're all going through something to do with some sort of maternity whether that's baby loss or or infection it's not right but I don't know the answer to it yeah like so I actually got given my own room then in the end yeah which I think I deserved like you know I was I was in an awful condition and so I was up there for nearly two weeks then so I was on a lot of medicines they kind of left me go out then for a few hours towards my last week Tries to be worse than coming back in. You know, I don't know why I even yeah. left. But I think when you're in a hospital that long, it was a long time, you know, and just in pajamas, yeah. like um, so like a few nights I tried to get the baby up to me to you know keep him in the room and it within an hour I'm like ringing them ball and crying, you need to come and take him. I can't mind him. So that may be worse then. 
because yeah. I'm like I can't even mind you know I was I was in an awful state so then I came home and that's when everything went downhill I I suppose my family were already doing everything for me so I kind of didn't have to do it yeah which I needed help I was very sick you know I was in intensive care I needed to yeah. heal my wound was over for six months I was back and forth to the hospital for the year so I, I had no energy um, and like that time was kind of when I came out of recession. So my dad actually wasn't working either at the time. So like they'd all do night feeds for me and do my bottles. So I'm like, I was actually left staying in the bed, which I appreciate, but I don't know, was a probably a bad thing as well. Okay. Because if I didn't have to get up to do anything for me, I would have to get up to do it for the baby. But if I didn't have to, I didn't have to get up. Yeah. You know? So whereas they used, I used to have to do stuff, but like at the first six months, I didn't do a thing. Like I would do a few night feeds. Yeah. But like my dad would, or someone would take the baby in the morning. Kevin was very good with the baby. You know, we all done our pitch. Like, so I didn't have to do much. Like, so I was left to recover. Great. I needed to. Um, but then I suppose that's, I suppose I saw, then I suffered very bad postnatal depression. Okay. Um, you know, I'd no bond with my son like it's this person I'm supposed to love instantly that was not there and um, you know I missed all these precious moments with our newborn baby and I even felt that she even looked at Kevin and my mom and them like different as if there were his well that could be in all in my head now you know when you're going through all this like I was like no he doesn't even love me <laughs> my poor baby you know yeah and um, but then I had post-matic distress as well so like I would have been I suffer very bad um, I went to psychologists and stuff as well after he was born like but he was but one then I think because that's when I kind of started asking for help really because I knew I actually gained six and a half stone in 10 months wow. so I up to like nearly 22 stone and um, I couldn't even walk I couldn't breathe I couldn't tie my shoes like I couldn't do nothing I would sit at home all day and she was getting out like he was starting to crawl and I used to be absolutely based just from trying to get him like you know so I, I knew then, you know, food was after taking over my life. You know, that's food actually ruled me. And I was like, I can't go on like this. I can't, you know, especially like after battling with your weight all your life. But I'm like, I'm going to a stage now. I'm 23 nearly and I'm now 22 stone. If I keep going on, you yes. know, I'm terrible. If I don't take action, I'm going to be, you know, it just keeps going. And did so, you have did you have advice? Did you did you seek help for the for the PTSD and for the No, I never did. Yeah. Because I'm always a fairly strong person, but that was the first time in my life that I actually had no control of how I felt. I probably should have. Uh just even, you know, medication to, to lift my you know, my for myself, like as you know, I'd see people there now and like, you know, there's no shame in it. But I suppose postnatal depression isn't spoke about either like a lot of my friends I'd see now obviously I, my son's only seven I, I'd nearly say to them you know I think you might have um you know a touch of it or like I just think it's normal I'm very outspoken anyway I talk about anything but I yes. some people like me and that's okay too but like that now I can kind of see the signs you know and I've even heard people now saying to me like I wish my partner knew about it because he might see the signs quicker you know yeah you know that kind of way like 
and even my mum my mum actually moved to London when she was um nine months old so she was kind of gone so I was kind of left at home then I with the boys um so like you know the boys don't have a clue like <laughs> you know I, I was like the new mammy then as such yeah. you know so I suppose I kind of just done went with it like you know I wasn't that bad food was just the thing and my weight so I think I was more depressing about my weight because after I went to the psychologist and I think you know I spoke to her about my life like I, I not nothing bad happened in my life you know like my mom dad separated but sure that's I was old enough you know like nothing bad happened yes. life like so she was like Lee I genuinely think you're you know you you know you know what's going on you can't change the past you know you just have to learn to live with it and like I said yeah I said, so we kind of agreed that I wouldn't need to go back because I knew I didn't need to go back I just need to manage the eating yes. so I done Slim World um, when she was like one and I was like nah couldn't get it at all but um when she was two, I actually thought he um, was uh, on the spectrum autism because he actually started reprogressing, um, stopped calling mom, stopped calling dad, stopped pointing. And I was after doing the childcare course now in the middle of, you know, okay. finding out. So I was well aware of all these signs. Um, he was a late talker. He didn't speak till he was three and a half. Yeah. Um, that could have all been down to then the traumatic birth as well. You know, when I think back of it, but he actually, he's perfect. Now he was just a late talker. Um, so I went to the doctor at the same time um, and I asked to be put forward to the weight management clinic in Dublin. I said, I need help with my weight. I can't do this no more. So I actually went on then to lose like two stone of personal training, gained it back. Every year I do this. And I actually waited like three years for an appointment in Dublin for the weight management clinic. So I went up to Dublin last up to, uh, March 2019 and my friend came with me. We it was like I thought now it was like a one-to-one. There was actually like 30 of us, all of us obese, all these big chairs, like very like, I was actually kind of a bit overwhelmed. And I was like, oh no, this, I can't like, yeah. you know, all wide doors, you know, very like, it was, we're all obese, like, and that's reality. So we're all in the same position, you know, looking for help, desperate for help at this stage. And then, so they were chatting away, you know, they were like, great, the process will be, you come up and down to Dublin, like, I don't know, six times over 12 months. And then they'll basically decide then if you're suitable for surgery. So they'd have to see psychologists, uh, dietitians, everything, which is okay, because weight loss surgery isn't for everyone. You know, it's all in your head, you know, like you need to start that first. Um, but like I knew once once I'm on a roll I'm gone there's no stopping me you know but it was always the amount of food I was consuming so I was kind of very disheartened being honest and I was like I'm not putting myself through this torture at all up and down what if they tell me then no you know and if they say yeah apparently the waiting list is not a four six years okay so that's like 10 years of my life I literally could be found dead with a massive heart attack yes what what, like what's chances of me especially now after the pandemic I know for a fact I would have gained probably three to four stone because my whole house gained between a stone and two stones I would have gained double what they've gained yeah you know so in the end anyway it was summer last summer July 2019 I was sitting down in a um, sitting room wearing a t-shirt I used to wear the knee length leggings um, just a long baggy t-shirt literally no sitting and I was absolutely sweating. 
I was like, it was roasting outside. I was like, I should be down in the beach now, you know, with my son, you know, enjoying the weather. And I literally couldn't walk around my house. And I was like, this, this is not a life. Like, this is actually torture. Like, I, I said, I can't go on like this. So I got on to my mom. I was like, mom, I think I'm going to start looking like for clinics somewhere, you know, um, I didn't know what I wanted or needed, like, because I never actually looked into weight loss surgery. I would always just looked on Instagram, like, oh, I'd love to be like them, you know. And I, wa- I think, like, America always had, like, shows on it. Um, yes. So I'd watch many things. But I suppose weight loss surgery were a behind, be, bit behind in Ireland anyway, I think, to, you know, all these things. Um, so, like, I was looking, searching all the internet, and there wasn't much information, being honest, and not many Irish people either, and especially I'm a young girl, you know looking for weight loss surgery do you know what though Leah I think they're there but they don't talk about it yeah well there's a lot of people now that I know that have but that's I'm looking for someone to share the life with me you know I want their every detail so I found the clinic in Lithuania there was a Facebook group unbelievable group I got all the answers I wanted stalked a few people now in the meantime ruined their lives actually probably (laughs) um you know can, like I'm probably the same message to 10 people was it the right decision how you know because yes. you're so scared I was like am I doing the right thing because I love food I absolutely love food um you know so I was thinking of all this but I knew I had to change so I was like right mom we book it for December and then December I know I said April and then I was like what am I waiting for we go December I'll give yeah. myself five months there now to lose a bit of weight I said, I'm not losing no weight. Like, so I was like, we'll go in October. I said, I'm not waiting. What am I waiting for? We'll just book it. So I booked it in the August, like a month later. Um, and like, I, I'd go back and forth with like health questionnaires. And to be fair, I'm healthy, thank God, for now. Um, so there was no, nothing to it, you know. They asked me to lose 22 pounds. I actually only lost eight pounds. Okay. So I flew to Lithuania, Dublin, to Canoes, um, was there picked up, brought to my hotel, brought to the clinic, which was it was in a hospital in uh Kenus. Um brilliant. Like the surgeon, like top surgeon in Europe. He actually has a clinic in Sweden and he actually teaches gastric bypass in Dubai. So mm-hmm. like he is like top of the range. Like basically they're actually yeah. even double the size of their clinic now next year. And the surgery was like six and a half thousand euro. So like that's saving nearly 12, like it's over, I think it's like nearly 20 grand in the bonds in Cork. Oh, wow. Okay. Roughly, I'm sure by the time you Is pay that, for all- And that's a package to have the whole operation done, then you pay for your flights and accommodation or how does it work? Yeah, I think I paid around seven grand in total. Okay. So like, you know, it's not easy money either, you know, I get loans and stuff. Um, so you had a bypass, which means that, so this isn't like a clamp. This is when they take part of your stomach away, correct? Yes. Leave, they take the part of your stomach out, but with the bypass, they actually leave it there. I don't know why, but it's actually the most, it's kind of the more, it's the bypass is the, like the, what's the word? It's like the highest, the highest kind of weight loss surgery. Like okay. it's the most severe. So with the bypass, you could have all like complications, like um, you mightn't um absorb your nutrition's properly. You could suffer a diarrhea, uh, you could be vomiting, uh, like dumping syndrome is called. So anything high fat, high sugar, you could be very sick. Touchwood, I don't have any of that. So like I know people though that had it same time as me, and they can't even eat meat because they'd be vomiting. So I think that's where you run into ish- problems in with your nutrients because you can't, you're not getting them in. 
Yes. Um, so like I actually can't take my vitamins um, because they give me pains. But actually I'm lactose intolerant. I figured out six weeks ago. So I actually think I was actually lactose intolerant all my life, not, I, not IBS. Well, it's funny because I've written down here, you know, I always take notes and I've written down IBS. And um, I always was told that I had IBS, but that um, during my journey, I found out that I couldn't really eat gluten or um, dairy. And the day that I gave that up, I've never had IBS ever again. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the same. So yeah. I suffered for nearly a year at surgery with cramps, kind of like just sicky feeling. But I lived on yogurt because it was the easiest thing for me to eat. Yes. Um, going through food stages and you need high protein. So at the start, you're not able to eat a lot. So a high protein yogurt was ideal for me. I literally eat yogurt constantly because they're the easiest thing to eat. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had a yogurt now or um, milk in six weeks and I haven't had one pain. Yeah. So I can have a bit of cheese or butter with foods. No bother. So at I'm least I'm not, not fully, you know, lactose um, intolerant. But so, yeah, like I suppose my journey after surgery, like I came home, you're we dealing with head hunger. I was off work for only two weeks. I'm, I was actually in SNA. Uh, so I'm back right. to work. Uh, but I only worked nine to twelve, and then I collect shave from school. But it was grand, and my boss—they're very supportive anyway. You know, if I kind of needed a day off, but I actually don't think I ever did. I was fine. I, it's only three hours, you know. You deal with it, like yes. Um, but I suppose you know you're going through liquid stages. You're actually—it's like coming off a drug. So you're yeah. not—you're missing everything you love, and you can't have it. Um. So it's all in your head. So you like I was a few nights I was crying in bed, like because I obviously lived at home and they were all eating what they wanted. And there's so many of us there, you know, partners, you know, my brothers, their girlfriends, they come in with takeaways and one would go, the others would come in. And I was like, my brother now eats very healthy. And the first week I came back, he had a takeaway every night. I said, Do you realize what you're after doing to me? You know, this boy now like eats like clean eating yeah. all the time loves eating healthy and he had a takeaway every night I was crying up in bed I said you realize what you've done to me <laughs> but then it's well, not their fault either absolutely so you have to retrain yourself obviously and is it a fact is it a case of the the amount of food you can eat or you know what you eat how how do you play it because I know a lot of people that have had this stand and I know a lot of people that have treated it very very differently so how have you changed because of it well, like, I suppose I don't make good choices all the time. You know, I am only human. And like, I think that I can eat stuff and don't get the dumping syndrome. I'm probably being a bit bold and I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I think I actually, at the, at the start, I didn't touch nothing. I was actually 100%. I wasn't eating any sweets. Like, I see people now, they're two weeks out and they're eating potatoes and chocolate. They're called slider foods. So okay. these foods will dissolve in your mouth. So they'll have no problem going down into your t- tummy and they're high calories. So you can consume more. Whereas I could eat biscuits faster than I could eat a dinner. Yeah. Because dinner is, you know, meat you're chewing. It's it's whole, you know. So people, like, thank God I'm actually not a chocolate person or a potato person. I love jellies. So I, I need to control that. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm only, do you want now, only the last few weeks because I'm so content I'm happy where I am. I am giving myself a few jellies because I'm like, it's the first time in my life I'm not going to do it. And I do watch what I eat. So like at the moment now, 
my breakfast, I always have a cereal. So I have a half a bowl of, like half a bowl of cereal. I mightn't even finish that before I could eat two bowls, not a bother, and probably have toast. Then my lunch could be anything from a Caesar salad to like maybe slice of uh, wholemeal bread with tuna um, or anything. I could, if I might know, I might get a wrap or a chap salad or anything, but I probably wouldn't eat a wrap, full wrap, but only eat half wrap. Yes. So I'd get nearly two meals out of that. Then my dinner is then could be literally anything. I make roast dinners to like, um, you know, lasagnas, literally anything. I enjoy cooking. So my dinner portion then is like a small side plate. So that's, that's the amount I'd eat. And I never really finish my dinners because I think I always fill the plate. Because obviously your dinner, you'd have your veg, you know. And I never really finish, but sometimes I would. So like, then I'd have snacks. But like, I reckon... My three meals a day, I'd nearly eat for one meal before, if that makes sense. I know. You know? Yeah, I My, understand. Um, but like, I know full well, like, this is only a tool, you know. I'm only one year out now, like, and I can eat all the bad food. So I know, like, I'm going to have to watch myself for the rest of my life. So I do go to the gym and stuff. I'm trying to, you know, stay healthy um like the gym's closed now I got um a yoga mat and weights sure I didn't use them yet but I I'll try but um when the girl's there that's from uh the north side she's actually running like a six weeks thing um just a weight loss kind of you know support group so I think I might do that now for December uh because I actually um I'm looking to get my skin done now as well soon uh so that yeah, might be that might be the next step in the new year. Please God, if everything kind of works out. I have to ask you, you seem like a really determined woman and you seem very black and white. When you make a decision, you're going to do something. Do you think you could have done this without going to Lithuania? No way. There's yeah. no, I would have like, I even said, we, we spoke about this. Should I have done it sooner? And then I was like, no, because I probably wouldn't have been ready. Okay. No, I, I genuinely believe you're put through things in your life to yeah. guide you and end up where you're meant to be. Like, if you told me last year, what well, way my life would be this year, I'd probably laugh in your face and say, you're, you know, what kind of drugs do you want? Because I was so depressed, 22 stone, couldn't walk, living in my, my parents' house, sharing rooms, you know, squashed. We'd no, we'd no space to... One a year later and be down nine stone. I was given a beautiful two bedroom apartment. I was on the housing of six and a half years, which isn't very long to some people. But I'm like, everything attracted to me. You know, I'm like, I, 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 I actually went to a fortune teller um, the year before, or no, the May, May 2019. And what she told me, she told me something about like, I'll end up getting surgery on my spleen and all this. I was like, what? All weird stuff, but uh, the bypass wasn't even on my mind at that time. But sure, your spleen is by your stomach as well, like, and stuff about houses. And I was like, nah, you know, I could never see the positive in anything. But I was like, that was obviously what she meant, you know. But I genuinely do think that because I've been so positive and I'm so happy and content and I'm just loving life, even in the pandemic, I haven't been outside the door. Um, but, you know... Like, I think everything just comes with it. There's that saying, isn't it, that Kate, as Kate Moore says, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Yeah. And it's not even about being skinny because, you yeah. know, I'm 
like I'm 11 stone now I have her like 11 and a half but I should only be like 8 stone but like I never want to go to that size I'm very happy where I am now um, yeah. I just want the skin gone like I probably carry an extra stone you know with the skin all over Yeah. so I reckon about 10 stone um, but like that now I just all I want to be is happy and healthy and live a long life like, it's a good goal it's a good goal <laughs> yeah but like it's I just hope I do it forever now like and that's why yeah. I'm like I share everything on my Instagram because I feel it keeps me motivated not that I have to prove a point to people you know but I'm like you know people are looking at me and I, I want to stay this way I ne- like there there is a chance you kind of gain a bit you know sometimes yes but I'm like I, I'm happy now so I just want to learn to maintain you know live a well-balanced healthy you know life get my exercise in if I want to go and have McDonald's I'll go and have a burger you know yeah I can't really eat it but I take off one bun you know and I'll have it so I never restrict myself you know life is for living we've only one life and it's precious it really is you know so I won't torture myself but I, I do my best yeah, no. And and do you think it's changed? Well, obviously, you know, I can see the change in, in in you from our conversation. You know, if you were in that state of depression and and your weight did make you feel like that, you're obviously a much happier person now, which is so important. Yeah. Really it is important. like absolutely. And you will, you'll help. You know, I spoke just before we started, we spoke about the fact that you talking about it won't just help people that are thinking about it. It will help people that are trying to support people that are thinking yeah. about it because you've given them the information. It's hard though, because obviously our doctors as well aren't supportive with us going abroad for these surgeries. But I actually don't understand though, because they can, they tell you go in and get your hips done, your knees done in a different country. But you can't get weight loss surgery. Yeah. Well, they're trying to, I think they, they tried to kind of get rid of it, but, um, but I think when it comes to, you know, we talk about it all the time when it comes to people's mental health, you've got to do what's right for you. It, yeah. Like my life, like, you know, like, and my GP actually retired when she was one. So I genuinely think if I went to her now and said, I'm going to Lithuania, she would have been like, go get it. You know, yeah. she would have known my life. Whereas the doctors didn't understand like where 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 I go, but then I went. I changed to the female GP, and to be fair, she done everything she could for me. You know, they can't take responsibility. Basically, something goes wrong, and I said, I hundred percent understand. I'm not looking for anyone to take responsibility. All I want is a bit of support. Yes, you know, I need to get like one of the doctors actually said to me, "What if you get? To, what if you're lacking vitamins in your bloods?" I said, "Well, then that's obvious. You give me a prescription and what I need." Yeah. Like I was so upset when I came out. I was like, you know, what I'm after being true. And then, you know, just I just I'm like I'm trying to change my life. And like they probably haven't even seen me. Well, my my female GP did see me in March, but like if they actually seen me, you know, yeah, how much I changed my life. And there has been girls from my local area have gone to them and have gone and went down and have surgery. So I'm probably the talk of the place. But you know what? If I can help save someone's life. Shouldn't matter where we go or what we do, you know. No, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, I've I've held weight all my life. I've I've not ever thought about surgery, but I've never been depressed, I suppose. And I'm very active, and I, you know, I'm still a Pilates teacher, and I teach, and I train every day. Um, I just hold weight. That's just the way it is. But I'm I'm happy with that circumstance. But um, but I wouldn't stop anybody doing anything 
that no. they would make them feel better. Yeah, no. And like, you know, there's a lot of people going to Turkey. At the moment, yeah. Turkey is very cheap as well. But for me, I wouldn't go to Turkey. Not Nothing against it. But I just feel like if you're going anywhere, stay in the Europe, we're in the European Union. That's what our E111 cards are for. That's, that's our right. We're all covered together. You know, okay. if something go kind of wrong, you know, I don't know. Um, but thank God I've been fine. I did have to get an ultrasound right in March. I thought I might have gallstones, but I think that was all down to the dairy in the end. Okay. <laughs> um, the dairy, the dairy. And I can't dairy. ever cut cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> Leah, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story. We always like to finish with a couple of questions from the jar that your predecessors have left. So I'm just going to take a couple. So... First one is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I think I'd live right here, just because it's my home. Why shouldn't we love where we live? And I've all everyone who loves me around me, and I love them too, so I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in this world. I love that, and you're completely right. If my family were in Cork City, I'd never leave the city again. Um, yeah. And finally, what do you do for you? What's your self-care routine? Well, I always put on a bit of makeup and do my hair and look after myself because if we don't, who else will? Yeah, no. I, I always do my hair and makeup. It's just something I do. And take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Good old selfie. Leah, listen, thank you again. I've thoroughly enjoyed today's chat and I can't wait for this to go out. I think people are really going to enjoy it. Thanks very much.